Hi, I'm Miller and welcome to Miller's Game Room Podcast episode 20, otherwise known as the bumper-packed, totally not E3, totally not Anime Expo special after a glorious month away in the what's called the outer net. So that's a thing for me. So obviously I'm going to have to start this episode by explaining where I've been because people or like two people who consistently listen to this stuff are going to wonder where I am. So uh, here's the uh, the explanation. Uh, in short, I've been moving home. It's been very stressful, but it does mean that things are going to be a bit better. I do want to talk about the new game room a bit more at some point because I have a new game room now. And all the other stuff with that, which one day I'll talk about in another video because I don't have the energy at the moment. And this is going to be a extremely long episode by Miller's Game Room Standards, assuming that I uh, actually talk at length for as long as I have uh, planned because there's a lot of news. I'll be covering the uh, Totally Naughty Free season as well as Animex for announcements because basically since the beginning of June when I put the last episode up was just before I had to start like preparing to move and then since then it's been really stressful so I've not been like able to do it and now it's here and I've got a lot of stuff I need to catch up on so uh, I'm going to start with E3 stuff so stuff that a lot of people might be aware of and just offer some thoughts on them so like the Summer Games Fest the Xbox showcase, the Nintendo Directs, and a couple of the other events as well, I think. And then after that will be Anime Expo, which will cover the the panels by companies of interest, as well as um, some other miscellaneous news, both from these panels and not from these panels, and other news, including a few Japanese bits. I won't be able to go into detail and cover absolutely everything I want to talk about. Like, there won't be anything about the Sonic 3 confirmation and the Michael Jackson music thing, because I just don't have the time to include all of that in here, but that's a thing. And there will be a lot of mainstream stuff, as well as a lot of weeb stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about both. So, uh, let's get started. So, to commence the beginning of a totally not all free season, I'm going to mention the Summer Games Fest stuff. Um, so starting with that, we have uh, Sony's big announcement, which was the Last of Us Part 1 remake announced for PS5 and PC. Uh, that was dated for September 2nd on PS5, and the PC port is just quote-unquote in development. So basically it exists, it's been worked on, but it's not out yet. And this is one of those games that was controversial because people were like, oh, this is kind of too soon for a remake. Just like, you can play it on basically every PlayStation platform now. Except the Vita, unless you use Remote Play or something on PS4. I guess, I've not tried it, but... Um, I kind of understand that a bit. Like, I've not played The Last of Us. I do want to play it because I know a lot of people are like, Oh, this game is one of the best experiences ever. You will not regret it. And this was like... I think this is one of the first games where Naughty Dog attempted to do some kind of, like... LGBT representation. I know that was a case in Last of Us Part 2. Not sure about Part 1, or maybe the DLC, but I've honestly not followed it too much. Um, I plan to play the PS4 version, personally. Maybe PS3, it depends. Like, PS4 and PS3 copies are both really cheap now. So, it's like, if you want to play it, you probably already can. And, well, unless you're on PC and or don't mind emulating the PS3 version on PC, which will probably run better than the native PS3 version that's available on consoles. But that's a um, thing. So, uh, um, I do kind of get the feeling that it might be too soon for a remake, especially because of all the platforms you can already play it on. But at the same time, it is the kind of thing where it will probably make bank. Like, there was an edition put out called the Firefly Edition that basically sold out almost straight away on Sony's website. So, uh... There's definitely demand for this remake. I mean, especially on PC. Like, I fully support bringing this to PC. Like, more platform diversity is good. And having it on PC and these good quality ports is good. Because not everyone can or wants to get a PlayStation 3, 4, 5, Vita, or the bloody PlayStation TV, Mini, the smartphones, Walkman, and you bloody name it. Uh, yeah. Um, still good news. Uh, next Goat Simulator 3 was announced for every platform except Switch, uh, launching in the autumn physically and digitally for those consoles. Um, and it's pretty cool. I played Goat Simulator 1, it was alright for like a few hours and got bored of it, so uh, I still think it's cool that this got announced. I 
I believe this was Summer Games Fest. I mean, notes are like kind of in order. So if some of these aren't actually for the events, therefore I apologize. But you know, time. Um, so that's a uh, thing. It looks good. It looks quirky. Goats funny. Goats are cute. So uh, it looks fun for those interested. Uh, turn-based SRPG High Water announced to PC. So this is coming later this year, and this is an indie game that's developed by uh, Demagogue Studio. And this is a climate change apocalypse turn-based strategy game. And if I remember correctly, it's kind of set in the same world as a couple of other games. I don't remember what they are, but that's the link. Um, it's obviously very relevant to our current era. And for what's been shown, the game looks promising and it is something that I'm interested in because, well, climate crisis is something that I care about, um, which is a whole thing to talk about another time. Um, and what's been shown, the game looks promising, and I kind of want to check it out when it comes out, or in the future. Next one is uh, the re-reveal of a game called Routine. Now, I've never actually heard of this game before this reveal, but it actually was, like, first, like, revealed a really long time ago, like, several years at least, and it was done by, like, a three-person team, and then it was, like, they basically to restart development, and they restarted it, and then they built this game, and... After all that time, it was re-revealed. They're getting a company called Raw Fury to help them out. And now it interests me because it actually combines, like, horror and mechs. So instead of zombies and other stuff that's really scary, you get things like evil robots. And these things are quite original, actually. Like, I kind of like the idea of, like, horror robots to be quite, like, really original. Like, instead of running for your life from a creepy zombie, it's a robot. And I kind of like that because it's scary, but not like, oh, fuck it, zombies. That fucking terrifies me. It's scary. So it does look cool. I'm hoping it turns out well because this has been in development hell for a really long time. It could be great. It could be bad. It's uh, hopefully turns out well for those wanting it. It's coming for, I believe it's like the Xbox platforms and PC. So one to keep an eye out for. Now onto the Xbox showcase, where there's actually... I wanted to actually more there I want to talk about than Summer Games Fest. And um, first one is uh, Forza Motorsport. Now, a lot of people have probably seen the footage, so I'll get out of the way now. And it looks incredible. It, like, I love just, like, it looked so realistic, and it looked like it's... It kind of was like, is this actual footage of Mexico, or is it actual in-game rendering and it's actually in-game rendering and it actually looked like really really fucking cool it's like if i was to get an xbox i would probably want to maybe try it because it actually does look cool and i think that's really cool when you're able to like advanced games like so far that you can make them quite realistic like that and um it's that game will looks like it will age quite well and just hopefully it will turn out okay and that's dated for spring 2023 for the Xbox series and for the PC. So, you know, you're going to be in for a good time with that. Next thing is a Microsoft Flight Simulator 40th Anniversary Edition update, which is like a free patch for everyone who owns the game. Um, this has what's been promised so far is the Airbus AP-10, helicopters, gliders, and uh, also the Halo Infinite Pelican add-on, which was put out the same day as the show which uh, was interesting, so it looks cool. I've been wanting to play Flight Simulator for a while, I just don't have the means to actually play it because it's a really intensely demanding game because of its visuals, much like Forza, but it actually looks like... It's probably one of the best games I've ever seen in terms of its visuals, and it's really cool to see that you're getting all this stuff and then all the community mods as well, especially for the PC version. It's really cool, and um, I would like to try it someday. Probably if I got it, it would probably be on Steam, so who knows. Um... But I'm going to do this stuff. And as for the Halo Pelican add-on, like, what the fuck? That's all i got to say on that, because that just feels kind of really weird and out of place having this massive, mysterious space droid. Like, when I first saw it, I didn't even realise it was from Halo Infinite. I thought, is this from Star Wars? Well, no, it's Halo Infinite. Like, well, I don't know that. I don't play Xbox much. I hardly even talk about Xbox on the podcast, unless it's related to things like this. So, yeah, I'm a fake Xbox fan. Woohoo! Who cares? Um... I mean, you know. And now onto another Western game that I'm not too interested in, but I'm talking about anyway, because everyone wants to talk about how promising it looks. 
And that's, uh, well, I say promising, but it was kind of controversial. And that's Starfield, which is um, Bethesda's, like, 2023 game, which is alongside Arcane, which Arcane looked good, but I don't know much to say on that. This game is basically, like, Bethesda. You fucked up with Bethesda 76. Bethesda 76, oh, for fuck's sakes. Oh, well, oh, whatever, I'm leaving that in. Um, Bethesda fucked up with Bethesda 76, so you've got to do a good job with this one. You have to, like, take your time, get the quality right, build this amazing thing with totally hardly any glitches, and get it pumped out as soon as possible, and then delayed it till the first half of 2023. And it looks good, it's basically, like, it kind of resembles No Man's Sky, and, um, it's, like, it looks intriguing, like, I don't think I'll play it, like, I don't care for it, but it's, uh, I just hope for those who want it, it doesn't turn out to be a complete dumpster fire, it's, the game's good, the devs are treated well with it, which, uh, according to Bethesda 76 news and reports about that piece of turd, it was, a uh, not the case, um, that's, uh, and also have the launch go smoothly, not filled to oblivion with glitches everywhere. Uh, next thing, an uh, indie game called Cocoon. This was for Xbox platforms, Switch and PC from the creator of Inside and Limbo. Um, it looked good. It looked really cute. I liked it. So I'm just bringing that here as a footnote because it's cool. Uh, and Minecraft Legends, which is um, kind of teased like a new game from Mojang and it turned out to be, oh, more Minecraft. But in fairness, this is basically like a... This is basically like... Minecraft taking inspiration from Dragon Quest Builders, which then took inspiration from Minecraft. And that's basically like a strategy game where you go out to like harvest resources, defend your base, and recruit people, which is basically what Dragon Quest Builders is. And that's the reason why I like Dragon Quest Builders, because Minecraft in general just doesn't have a structure. It's just kind of uh, aimless. And like some people like that, but I don't. But having the structure of, like, do you want to go and find someone? Do you want to, like, talk to a guest or build an item? and Or do you want to depend from this monster invasion? And it's like, that's what helped Dragon Quest Builders stick with me. And maybe it could be the same for Minecraft Legends. And this one's actually coming to all platforms, so not just Xbox Series X and X. It's like PS4, 5, Switch, PC, you name it. Well, maybe not the Stadia, but who cares about the Stadia? And the last bit for the Xbox Showcase, which I'm talking about here because... Um, this announcement was kind of put out in drips, and that's the Persona ports. So, for those who've been living under a rock, Persona 3, 4, and 5 were confirmed to be coming to all major platforms. Uh, this was at the end, so like, it was first confirmed for the Xbox Series X and S, and Windows, so like the Windows Store, as well as Steam for P3P and P5R. So, and then it was later confirmed for like, the PS5 and PS4, and, and PC as well, like, I think Steam actually, no, like, it was confirmed for Steam after the Windows Store announcement at the same time as the PS5 for confirmation, and then the Switch version was announced at the Nintendo Direct, which I'll get onto later, but I'm doing all the Persona stuff now because it was basically one major announcement that was just dragged out over three different pit times, which is uh, kind of not very helpful in terms of, like, so first off, the whole, like, the reveal of, like, Persona ports is, like, really good. Like, it wasn't the Xbox showcase, so it was, like, a huge surprise to people, because, like, it's something that people, like, especially on the Switch, wanted, like, Switch fans want it. The Switch fans wanted it the most. And even people wanted it on Steam as well. And PS5. And Xbox, there was demand for it, but, like, I guess compared to other platforms, because Xbox isn't really a JRPG platform, the demand was lower, because, like... Well, if you want JRPGs, you play on PlayStation or Switch or Steam. You don't play on bloody Xbox. Unless you're okay with only getting things from the likes of Sega and Square Enix and Bandai Namco. And this was a surprise. It was a good surprise because you have these games where people were like, oh, it's Sony exclusive. Here's a, there's, a, there's a deal signed and even though we can't prove it, we're going to push this myth anyway. And then, oh no, it's been proven wrong. And then things like... Uh, just like I think it's gonna sell and then obviously it's gonna sell and it's just people didn't think it would actually happen but it has it is happening it's real it's confirmed and I'm glad it's happening um I do think it should have all been confirmed at the same time though so like when the like when the announcement came to Xbox like obviously if you're gonna announce it at one show it'll only be for the platforms the show's gonna feature so obviously a switch version or a PS4 or 5 version isn't going to appear at, like, the showcase unless it was, like, 
lesser money was changed to get marketing like you even see on the website now that atlas still has the xbox platforms first before playstation and switch and steam so i can kind of overlook that personally but like the whole like let's announce just for xbox and windows store first then a few days later let's confirm ps5 4 and pc even though the press release confirming that was actually leaked so it was confirmed before then and then let's wait all the way to the 28th for the nintendo direct confirmation for the switch and it's like you just got people talking online and stuff like oh it's not coming to switch ha 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 oh it, i didn't think it would run on switch ha 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 and just just it just led to a lot of pointless speculation and frustration as well from people thinking why is it not coming to switch and just stuff like that and it's honestly ridiculous because it could have been avoided like i think a lot of this sums up the whole like atlas treating porting persona to other platforms like a lot of it could have just been avoided if the, they were not only done sooner but they were also like just realistic about it, just going like oh yes we can port it we are planned to port it and stuff like that and just instead of just leaving people to just get overhyped hype themselves up and then kind of subtly tease it with like crossovers so things like joker and smash and just it's just ridiculous and it's like they brought it on themselves especially when every time there was news about directs and stuff or news from atlas it'd be like when you bring in persona to other consoles and it's like people do this every time and it'd be like stop please but anyway now it's out and as for the releases themselves, because I've not actually talked about that yet, and fucking hell. Um, so first off, it's going to be Persona 5 Royal uh, for all platforms. Um, it's going to be the 21st of October, so that's going to be out. That's getting a physical digital release worldwide. And then next year, there'll be Persona 4 Golden, which is the, the Vita Amazing Game. The Amazing Game on the Vita, which I've played enough to pieces, and many people have played enough to pieces. And that's early 2023, or not early 2023, but it'll probably be before P3P which is also in 2023, and they're digital only. So in the West, you can't get them physically, which um, I kind of get why they might do that, because of, like they're older games, and there might be a lower price point, but at the same time, like, at the same time, like, do these games physically? You've just, you've not got an excuse not to do them physically. You're a large company. You can do these re-releases physically. If I can go into a store and see, like, Capcom putting out Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7... On physical discs for like the like fourth or fifth console atlas can do the same with persona and that's ridiculous to me that that's digital only and what you've got to bear in mind as well is the fact that persona 4 golden and persona 3 portable are really expensive on their original platforms persona 4 goldens was expensive but not as as much now because of the steam ports so people buy on steam but persona 3 portable is still ex really expensive like up to like 80 100 pounds even over 100 pounds because there's been no re-release and i think when it does come out the price will fall a bit because people will go to the the new release but it's still bad because you put out a physical copy that would that would not only take that price more but means more people can get it physically like because even after it comes out, people might still want to track a physical copy just so they've got it. And it's like, it's kind of like, it should be out physical as well. As far as I'm aware, there hasn't been confirmation of whether Persona 4 Golden and P3P will get physicals in Asia. They might contain English, but then again, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax's Asian physicals didn't have English on them, which is ridiculous considering the original 316 PS3 versions did. And the Switch importers uh, will import physical games if they've got English on them, so... And then finally, you've got like P3P, which is kind of controversial because obviously it's a portable version. So like some people would want the open moving of the world, being okay with not being able to control your party members. So um, people were upset, but it probably is a better version of port because, well, accessibility with FMC and the new mode. And um, also because uh, there's kind of like a rumor on the forums and that and the community and insiders that apparently they lost the source code for FES, so porting that would be a mess. So from an easier technical perspective, it would be better to support P3P. Like, you're still getting the same game, you're still getting the same story, so um, I can kind of see why that they chose to do that. So uh, I'm not mad. I've not played P3 before, so I probably will end up jumping on this, but not sure what platform, because if it's going to be digital, like... Why not just get it for PC or something and not switch or anything? But 
that's beside the point. Alright, now on to the Nintendo portion. So I'm going to start with the actual Direct Mini first, because there was also the Direct and a Xenoblade-like show just for Xenoblade 3, which I actually didn't watch much of, I just got a summary of the news, so I'll talk about that at the end. As for the Direct itself, um, first off, um, there was like some things I liked, some things I didn't care for, but aside from like the Persona ports, they were announced here as well, as I mentioned already. Um, there was a port of Nier Automata, so this port of a like game that came out in 17, 2017 is now on the Switch under the name The End of Your Heart Edition. And it's actually going to be physical on the cart. So Square Enix is actually putting effort into this native port of Nier Automata, which is incredible, especially compared to the amazingness, well, not really amazingness, that is the Kingdom Hearts Cloud Package and whatever the hell it's called. Um, It's going to be cool. And I, it also confirmed that Nier Automata passed 6 million units sold, which is a fucking lot for that game, actually. Probably exceeded everyone's expectations. And next up, there was a Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is basically the Ubisoft game. So even though it's a third-party event, but was focused on partners, Mario is in the direct, so not really a, a third showcase. I mean, technically it is, but this one was basically uh, Ubisoft showing off this game. Release of date is October 6th, and a bunch of gameplay. It's kind of clear there's a lot of passion behind it. It's really, like, super clear this is a passion project, and it shows. And I don't want to say I respect it, but also it's Ubisoft. And Ubisoft are a company that protects serial abusers and harassers and other horrible things. So it's kind of like, I want to play this, but if I do, it will be secondhand because I really don't want to give Ubisoft money for this. Fuck Ubisoft, but... Yeah, uh, definitely not day one for me, but I do want to give it a try eventually. Uh, next one was a uh, Dragon Quest Treasures. So this is a game I'm really, I'm really excited for. This one's coming out on the 9th of December. Uh, it's like late in the year release. I think it's around the time of Witch and Holy Night actually, when that comes out in Japan. And this game is basically from the Dragon Quest Monsters team. And this game, you can tell it's originally a monsters game because now you not only have a game with the childhood protagonist Eric and Mia, who appear in Dragon Quest XI, but you also have the monster recruitment, which is a, a feature in the game. You actually see the monsters around, who like, you can recruit them and they go with you, and then you can like loot treasure. And so it's basically combining Dragon Quest XI with the characters, with Dragon Quest monsters, with the monsters, but also like the elements of a looting roguelike game and it does look good i think this one where they're teleported to another world and they're looking for treasure it looks so cute and i can't wait uh it's currently exclusive to the switch i'm expecting it to get ported it's not going to be exclusive forever but day one buys if you want it day one you're getting it on the nintendo switch and I cannot wait to give this one a go. It looks great, and I love the look of it. And Square Enix were also delivering the goods with uh, Harvestella. This is a basically a Final Fantasy and Rune Factory of the Baby. It's like obviously a farming sim, but with an RPG, and it looks great. Like it was easily like one of the stars of the show, especially for new games for me, because most of what I was interested in from this director was actually was the ports. But this new one is like, oh, this looks right up my street, actually. Um, I love it. And I don't know if I get it day one, but I am considering it because it does look good. Now on to the Xenoblade 3 Direct. Um, I didn't watch this Direct, I'll be frank, because I would like to go into Xenoblade 2 knowing as little as possible. I did, however, read a little bit of information just for the purposes of like this podcast. And the basic thing was they confirmed an expansion pack similar to that of Xenoblade 2, which costs like 30 USD, which is, well, an expansion pack. Um, they said, said it's going to have items and outfit colour variants on day one, characters and quests later on between then and um, by the time it ends, which will include a new story and scenario, which is similar to Torna the Golden Country, which is, that's the kind of DLC pack that was for Xenoblade 2. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm hoping this gets a physical at the end and is actually good because like Nintendo and uh, DLC after releasing games has been very um, inconsistent during the Switch generation to the point where it's bad. Like obviously last month there was the Mario Strikers Charged 
Battle League thing, which um, was quite a huge disappointment in the fact the game was clearly unfinished and came out and the content is being promised at later. And then there was Switch Sports, which I did pick up, and uh, that game, uh, I got bored of it, and partly because of the lack of content, which is... Um, has been getting worse in terms of content for not just Nintendo games, but mainly the multiplayer. And uh, I think Xenoblade 2 will be one of the ones where it won't be as much of an issue, if that makes sense. So hopefully, but yeah, don't don't pre-order this. Don't pre-order this until it's clear what's actually been offered, like waiting to see what the actual story scenario is. Because if there's anything like Torn of a Golden Country, that will actually be good to the point where many consider it actually better than the original game. So... Yeah, wait on that. Other things that were shown was details on the story and showed off some of the towns and some gameplay. One of the things that was shown was like a bit about the scenario. So basically, like you've got three teams with like the six main characters, um, one from kind of each faction. Like like there's a war with two factions, and basically one faction's from the Xenoblade One background, the other faction's from the Xenoblade Two background, and they're basically like they end up meeting a, a, a random mysterious woman, I think, and then they're like. They decide to team up because they were originally sent to kill each other, basically. And they're like, oh, we're going to find out what's actually going on and stop the invasion. So that's where it starts, which is a really cool idea, actually. And it'll be interesting to see how it ties together, especially because there will be characters on both sides who do appear in this game and who have been, like, like been alive for a long time in the game lore, which I'm not going to go into because spoilers, but if you know, you know. And... Also, they confirmed amiibo compatibility, so it basically, if you tap an amiibo, you get items. Well, assuming you actually open the amiibo, not flip it on eBay. As well as the Monado mini sword, the Shulk Fighters. No. As well as the Monado sword, if you have a Shulk amiibo. Not a Shulk fighter, a Shulk amiibo. Well, technically, Shulk is a fighter if you consider Xenoblade incarnation, but that's beside the point. Also, there's one more joke regarding Xenoblade 3. Uh, the limited editions. Um, early pre-orders opened up again, and that was a disaster from what I've seen. I didn't even attempt to because, well, I don't really want the limited edition for this because it's the art book and a steel book. It's kind of like a lot of people are going to go about this time, and the early's like, especially compared to what Europe got for the first two games, is wildly you know, like inferior. Like in my mind, like I'll get the game. I will most likely love the game and most likely get the art book and the OST from Japan later on because that will be complete and superior, that will be glorious and that will be of much more value to me than an Ellie with an art book that was clearly designed to be marketing material and saying with a still book and a game case which um, is cool when I can still get that at any shop so that's a thing. And also Square Enix had an event during June as well, and this is basically the Final Fantasy VII event, which, um, oh, it's Final Fantasy VII, uh, I've never played it, but I'm going to talk about it briefly, because there are a couple of things in it that interested me, and one I wanted to talk about, because, well, this is a direct, I have to be mainstream, because it's only going to get more weeaboo from here on out, I'll be frank, after this Final Fantasy section, um, they announced the second portion of the Final Fantasy VII Remake called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is launching winter 2023 for the PlayStation 5, which is cool to see that announced. And it was also confirmed to be part two in a three-part trilogy, so there's three parts to this trilogy. And it's um, going to be followed before then by a remaster of Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. That's what it's called. It is the remaster of Crisis Core for was from the PSP era. It was only exclusive to the PSP. Like, only exclusive. So you can't get it on there, any other platform. So, before, like, the interesting quirk about it as well is that it was actually one of the, like, few physical-only RPGs. So, if you wanted to play it legally before, you had to get a PSP and a copy of the game physically, which is not only, like prohibitive in terms of getting a console but also it's an accessibility issue because of how small that screen is so you often it'd be often like easier to emulate it because it was it was the only way you could actually legally play it digitally but this remaster is going to be across all platforms like ps4 5 xbone switch pc etc it's going to have like updated models new music arrangements full voiceovers and a Western physical release, which is really cool, because unlike most of Square Enix remasters, uh, in the West, they were digital only. But this one has a physical, and you can get it from a local shop near you, which is really, really cool. So 
if you're into Final Fantasy VII, you've been a lot. You've been served quite well at this event. There were other things as well which I'm not going to talk about because otherwise I'll be here forever because I've got a lot of stuff still to go through in regards to the news, and I have fucking tons to talk about. Now on to the Anime Expo news. Um, I'm going to focus on a few panels, mainly like uh, Axis, Spike Chunsoft, and then PC visual novel publishers, which are like like Sekai Project and Jast, etc. Um, I'll be doing highlights from those because, one, because those panels are PC-focused, and I don't tend to play on PC as much, even though I kind of need to to play many VNs. And also because some of the games will be 18+, plus, so I'm not interested in them and I don't want to talk about them, so it's only going to be highlights. And also I'd probably break in terms of service if I went into detail about what some games that get announced at these panels are. So that's a thing which I'm going to avoid, aside from what I want to talk about on the Miller's Game Room podcast, episode 20. So as for the Axis event, they announced a bunch of games, mostly, well, Vision Novels, they announced like a Pups and Purr sequel, which is basically another Nippon Columbia game, which looks cute. Um, the localization of uh, Nobito Sugere, which is the third game in the Spirit Hunter series. It's called Death Mark II in the West. Great name, by the way. Um, they announced an English language visual novel called Inescapable, which is actually from a Finnish game dev called Dreamloop Games. So this is a little English like English language original game. That's getting announced. It has an anime art style. It's even openly admitted it's inspired by Danganronpa. By this like this Finnish company with an Axie. Which I think is actually quite cool for that company. Having this game like announced. And then shown off like this. Especially because of how Axies have localised like Spike Transoft desk games in the past. So having this game is quite cool. And kind of it looks intriguing. So little summary is it's. You've been kidnapped and forced to participate in a TV show with 10 strangers on an island. At the end of your stay on this island, you win $500,000. And there's a catch we talk about, and um, they say there's no rules on the island. But in reality, that is a rule. Like, there are no rules is a rule. It's a logical contradiction. But the other thing is that there's no escape either. So basically, if you're on this island, you can't escape... And you can do whatever you want, which is the rule. And that's obviously going to include, because it's Danganronpa-styled, killing games. So, um, it looks decent one to watch. And I'm hoping it gets an English dub, actually. Because that would be cool for an English-language original VN. Because outside of English-language originals and localizations of, well, Spike Chunsoft games, they will never be dubbed in English. Unless it's like the original Taishu XLS localization, which is a fucking dumpster fire, but actually comical if you listen to its dub, but that's a whole other thing. And the highlight of the show for me and many other people are the Otome news, because Axis announced like a bunch of dates and updates for Otome games they already had announced, but also a bunch of new stuff as well, which um, I don't think anyone expected because they had like five titles announced already. They dated PF4A's fan disc for September 9th, so that's like the fan disc to PF4A Faded Memories called Episodio 1926, which uh, I'm not super interested in because it's PF4A and I've not played it and not really that interested. But I know a lot of people in the Otome community are looking forward to it, so that's great news. Uh, they dated Paradigm Paradox for October, which is like a sci-fi gender-bending visual novel set on the moon. It's kind of... A lot of people aren't sure what to make of it. Like, it could be Hidden Gem, but it could also be the stinker of this launch mob of the ends, basically. There's also Lover Pretend, which was dated for December, which is um, a game made by, I think it was Yuki Iwai, which is right in the scenario, I forgot where he's from, but that's the scenario. And it's like another romantic comedy game, similar to like Feral Barricade and Cupid Parasite. Uh, they had Winter's Wind, Spirits of Edo, which is the basically a... Haku won't keep it cheerful. That's the impression I got from reading reviews and Otome content from Otome Tubers who talk about the game. And it looks great and cute, and I do actually want to play that one a lot. And they asked for the new stuff. Uh, they started with a localization announcement for Nor 9 Lotham. And this is the bundle pack for Nor 9 Bar Commons and Nor 9 Last Era. And I'm so happy because it means Nor 9 is coming back to the West because that game is great. It was my favorite Otome game I've played to date. And it's the only one still trapped on the Vita. 
as it stands now, but now it's coming to the West, in English on the Switch, and as well as the first fan disc, because there were two fan discs, Last Era and Actune, and Actune's apparently shit, and it's not on the Switch anyway, but Last Era is great. That game is basically continuing after the events of our commons with like the cast, and it's going to be really cool. And there's also Radiant Tale, which is a circus-based Otome game, which actually came out recently in Japan, like, only in May. So it's not been out for long. And the final game they picked up was Shuin no Verse Era Salvation. This is basically a really dark, really gritty, really triggering, very sad and very tragic game. But a lot of people love it because it's got this really, really unique, like, setting where people, like, in this world die at the age of 23 and there's even been a trigger warning list made up by the otome community for this game the people who played it in japan and importers so um that list exists i'm not going to repeat it here but it's basically a huge blanket trigger warning for everything so that game is not going to be for everyone but i am interested because well it's a really dark game that people love so it's intrigued me by setting and that but you know it's gonna hopefully pan out well. Now on to Spike Chunsoft's panel and this panel was fairly empty I suppose like there wasn't much in terms of announcements but that's fine they had some news on like uh, science adventure series so first off they announced that Chaos Heads Noah is coming to Steam on October 7th which I believe is almost day and date with the Switch release because the Switch pack for Chaos Head Noah and Chaos Child is coming to the West, and that is on Switch. So I'm looking forward to that release. That's going to be really cool. Um, and it's good that it's coming on Steam because now people have options to buy it, and now you can get every single science adventure game on Steam, which is really cool. Uh, the other game they announced was Anonymous Code. This was right at the end, and this game is actually the latest entry in the science adventure series. It's just come out if not about to come out in Japan it's well hyped it's the latest like scenario written by Chiyomaru Sakura who is like the writer for the series and that includes Steinsgate as well and that's coming west for PS4 Switch and Steam in 2023 there's going to be like a steelbook launch edition and it's really cool to see that the science adventure series is thriving because in the past there was huge uncertainty as to whether we'd get any more games and now here we are anonymous code is coming over and not left in the dark, hanging around, and especially now the missing gaps have been filled with like Robotics Notes Elite and Robotics Notes Dash and Chaos Head Noah as well. Are there any other games from that's related to that series? Has it come over if you don't include spin offs such as the Love Choo Choo games? Is Occultic 9, and um, apparently there was meant to be like an update patch for that that kind of improved the game, but I don't think that's come out, so until that comes out, I don't think the game's gonna come over. Plus also the fact the box art for Aquatic 9 is uh, notoriously bad because it's literally this one anime girl with breasts so unrealistically sized you could probably stick your face in it. That's how bad the box art is. And yeah, that's uh, does a disservice to the game which apparently in its even its basic state without the expanded content is still pretty good. But well, you know. But I, I kind of predicted it because this announcement because Majors had teased Anonymous Code localization a couple of weeks ago on their Facebook before the event and it happened to be the announcement. So, called it. But yeah, it's cool. Now onto the visual publishers and as I mentioned earlier, they announced tons of stuff which I'm only going to do like a few per panel because there's just stuff I don't care about mostly like New Kids, they will do New Kids for some of this stuff. I do not care for New Kids. But there's plot-driven stuff, and a, even a console port as well. So, starting with Sekai Project, uh, the company that I don't like, but they do things like Clanad and other various VNs, say, or Studio Elan. Um, this particular panel, they announced uh, two things of interest to me. Um, the first one is the localization of a Giga Fish novel called Parfait. Uh, this is a vision novel that came out originally like in the early 2000s but then was remade like, a couple of years ago for modern platforms. It's the remake version that's coming west and that person, like that game, is going to be on Steam eventually because 
well, I say eventually because Sekai Project are notorious for announcing things, but they're not releasing them for years, if at all. Like, there was Rewrite Plus, for example, which they picked up, like, three, four years ago. Like, even back in, like, 2016, 17, it was a long time ago. And they only just finally released the first part of the game last December. And even that was after a fan translation. Like, they bought the fan translation from the translation group that did that. And then they didn't use it. They did it from scratch. And then there was Harvest Festa, which was originally going to be included in the game together. Which was also as a fan translation, because that's actually complete, but not allowed to be released because of the the deals and stuff. Like, that's how, like... That's kind of under lock and key with it all. And then there was... Um, and there's this time, like, we're going to do it again, so that's going to come in the future on an unspecified date, because Sekai Project, and so that's going to be a while before that comes out. The other announcement is, oh no, hang on, the most notable thing about Parfait, and why it's interesting to me, is that it was written by the same person who did a little game, which I've talked about lots, you might have heard of it, it's called White Album 2, and it was written by Maruto Fumiaki, and Maruto Fumiaki also did this game as well, and it's going to be of notable interest to me to check this out, because same writer, it'll probably be good, it's basically like a cafe game, slice of life, and that kind of thing, it looks cute, and the other thing is they announced PS4 Switch ports of a VN that came out on PC, like, a long time ago, actually, called A Light in the Dark. Um, it was well-received. It was done by a few different companies, like Crystoria, Narrator. I think these were the companies that did um, Rabi Ribi, which is that game, which it was um, also on Steam and also came out in Europe physically for PS4, for P-Cube. And they also did, like... I think there was another game as well, I can't remember, but they did other games. And this little collaboration, which is actually a Chinese VN original, so it's not Japanese, it's Chinese in origin. Um, and also adding Japanese dub as well, so... Is they, early, they say it's planned for autumn 2022, but it will most likely be 2023 instead, so don't expect this anytime soon, because it's a guy project. Now on to Just USA, they had a bunch of announcements which um, I'm only going to talk about the two that I care for. Uh, the first one is Tokyo Necro. This is a title by Nitro Plus, and Nitro Plus, uh, they did Steins Gate. They helped with that. They did Chaos Head, so they've done that. And they have a lot of other VNs under their belt, a lot of them 18-plus games. They have done tons of VNs. They've done BL games, which have been released in English. They've done a bunch of other games, like Senko Akimuramaza, and oh, so so many, it's impossible to get them all listed. But this is one of the more recent ones. This is a 2018 title. It's been already fully translated and edited, so this has been sat on for a while. And it's timetabled to launch later this year, actually. An action battle VN set in Tokyo in the Necromancer era. A mixture of like Living Dead and Crime and Mafia. It was originally an adult title, but it's been an all-ages version, so I'm pretty confident that all-ages version will get released on Steam, so uh, I'll be interested in this one. And also, this is the other kicker. Looking at the visual database, it appears this is actually a Yuri game, because the protagonist is a lesbian, and there's lesbians in it. So, uh, lesbians shooting up at Tokyo. It's going to be pretty cool. The other announcement of note is Katahane. This was a game that was actually announced a while ago, but basically was like, we've stopped working on it for now, but now they were like, we've started work on it again. So it was previously like fully translated and edited, I think, when it was updated last in 2019. So now it's like, now it might actually come out this year or next year. So that's good news. Uh, this is another like well-received Yuri vision novel, an older one, like 2000s, like the mid 2000s. Uh, got a Vita port in 2018 from Prototype, so that's how I knew this existed firstly, because that port exists. Um, this is like a fantasy world of like dolls and theatres and that kind of thing, and like some conflict, but not so much on the front. There is some hi history, because this game has actually a unique like story perspective, because the story is basically split in two. You've got the main story with the main cast that you get to know and the love interest, etc., but there's also a second portion that kind of dives into the overall like, history of the world and why things happened, which is actually really, really cool. And that does interest me as well. So if that comes out, um, that will be on my list as well, which is really cool. 
And I'm going to be on to a bunch of other news now because there's actually a lot of news. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I might cut here before in case like because Manga Gamer haven't had their panel yet. So I might end up adding that in as an addendum. So if it's awkwardly contrast now, then blame Manga Gamer basically for bringing over stuff I actually care about. Now on to a few um, news now. There's a few miscellaneous pieces. I'm going to start with the... Um, the more niche stuff first, but there are a couple of fan translations here as well, because June was a pretty good month for visual fan translations. Uh, first bit of news, uh, Shin-chan, me and the professor on summer vacation, the endless seven-day journey is coming west for PS4 and Switch in August. Now, this game was previously a Switch-exclusive import title that came out last year, and this game was basically like an a kind of side-scrolling, relaxing, 2D, Animal Crossing-esque, cosy game using the Crayon Shin-chan IP. It's developed by Millennium Kitchen, who are known mainly for the Boku no Natsuyumi series, which is a Japanese-exclusive PlayStation IP where you, it's like relaxing sims and stuff. It's never been localised officially. You can get games on PS3 and PS3, as well as and PSP. PS2, PS3, PSP, as well as PS1, I think. But it's old series. Unless you're an importer, you're not really going to be into the scene. But they were well-liked. Uh, they also released Attack of the Friday Monsters, A Tokyo Tale, in English, uh, on the eShop, Fight Level 5. That was a game they made for the Guild series, which um, is actually available physically in the Guild Zero One package, which in, J in Japan is Japanese only, but also really, really bloody expensive now. So that's a thing. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised it's coming west because the game looks really cute, actually. Um, it's going to be by um, Neos Corporation, who's the publisher. They did it in Japan, and now they're bringing it here as well. And it's really cool this is coming over because it looks cute and cosy, and it looks to be a look gem. So one to keep an eye on. At the moment, it's only announced for a digital release. I'm hoping it gets a physical version. It probably will if they're willing to work with another company. I mean, after all, they did put out a physical in Japan, so maybe a Western one will happen via a limited print company or something. So you never know. And I now on to the fan translations. These are both the visual novels because visual novels are cool. And now on to the fan translations, which are both for visual novels. Uh, the first one is actually a key title. Uh, now, for those who don't know, uh, the latest key title was Summer Pockets Reflection Blue, which is an expanded version of the original Summer Pockets, which uh, was not the version that got released in the West. We got the base vanilla version. So what happened was that was like announced for the West, and then it was like... The enhanced version was announced before Summer Pockets was released on Steam. So, basically, what likely happened is people didn't buy Summer Pockets in the hope that Reflection Blue would come over. And it seems that, for whatever reason, Reflection Blue hasn't come over. So, Alka Translations, who have translated a lot of key games like Angel Beats First Beat, for example, they did that as well, which Visual Arts uh, also never released. That was announced for the West as well, but Visual Arts just were like... Which they were just went silent on it, and that was back in 2016 when they announced that, but it's not coming at this point, which is pretty obvious because of the lack of news. But now there's this translation patch for the expanded version. It does not work with the Steam release, just heads up. The whole translation was actually done by Alka Translations because they also did the base version of Summer Pockets as well. And this Reflection Blue version is like some like improvements, new characters, um, new routes, obviously. And it's the version to play, basically. So I'm highlighting that because if you're a key fan and you want to dive into that, that's a thing. Go out and play it. Now, the other patch is actually a Nitro Plus game itself. So this is a game I'm really interested in when I found out it existed. So a while ago, way back in 2004, Nitro Plus released a game called um, Do Smack in a Demon Vein. That's a translation of the Japanese name. I forgot the Japanese name off the top of my head, but, you know... That doesn't matter. Uh, they released that adult game, and then it got ported a couple years later to the PlayStation 2. And this PlayStation 2 version is all ages, obviously, because you can't put porn onto the PlayStation 2. This isn't the Sega Saturn era. They don't do hentai games on consoles in Japan. But in 2011, just localised the PC version, because, well, it's a PC version. They released that version. And then... In 2019, Nitro Plus actually backported the PlayStation 2 port to PC. 
and this particular port was also expanded on as well so this version has like like fixed like new cgs new content to replace the porn scenes and stuff like that and has like technical improvements that have been fixed as well and the fan translation actually like not only like works on that so it translates the new cgs and content but also like has technical improvements over the official pc release and a bunch of other improvements as well there's tons of them it's really cool actually and i'll be playing that it's a really dark and witty story lots of mechs and magic it looks fantastic and probably the closest we'll get to an official release of it unless just decide to go you know what we'll release this definitive version here because that that release is just it's quite an old VN and you see the art you can tell it's an early 2000s VN but can't get much like more amazing than that you know like it does look cool and I will be playing that so you know if you want to jump on that uh, it's called Deuce Mark in a Demon Bane, War of the Machine God. I'm guessing the War of the Machine God was the name for the content patch, so that's cool. So check it out if you're interested in a dark, action, gritty VN. I believe this one's a Bushojo VN. Not Yuri, so not like Tokyo Necro, unfortunately, but you know, good for the straight men. And continuing on now, uh, we have official localization news now. Uh, Labyrinth of Galarea, The Moon Society, got announced for the West by NS America. This is the sequel to uh, Labyrinth of Frame, Covenant of Dusk. This game is coming West for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, the Switch, and Steam. Uh, this has been quite a long time coming. It originally came out in like 2019 for the PS4 and the Vita in Japan, and then it was ported to the Switch like a year later, and now it's finally been announced for the West. And hopefully it's just as good as Lamp for Frame. Lamp for Frame was a really like unique JRPG with all the like the cast customization mechanics and the interesting setting as well. And I'm hoping this is more of the same, but even better, you know. Next up, Taiko no Tashjin Rhythm Festival has been dated for 23rd of September for the Switch worldwide. Um, looks like Japan's getting a physical version. This is of course another Taiko no Tashjin game because well, Taiko is incredible. And the catch with this one is that you can like pay like $5 a month for like a monthly pass that gives you access to like 500 songs, which is ridiculous. Like I know a lot of people like, this shouldn't be on the, like a pass, it should be on the cart stuff as standard and that, but like, and I definitely would agree, but I think the issue from a capitalist perspective is that it would be financially unaffordable for them to do that because a lot of these license holders will be like, you need to give us even more money to let you have it in the game. Not just the songs for the 70 release, but also the 500 songs on the expanded pack, and it will be ridiculous. So, it actually makes sense to monetize it like that. And plus, a lot of those songs will be Taiko, like, songs you can play on the base games in other Taiko games. There are fucking loads of them across all platforms, except Xbox and the PS3. And, well, expect Xbox Series and yeah, Xbox Series and 1, you can play it on that, but not the previous Xboxes. So yeah, it's weird. You can play on Xbox One, but not the PlayStation 3, which is weird. But either way, um, you can, like... I had a look at the track list, because it has been released. It has highlights such as the Super Mario Brothers theme, which you can guess what that is. The Legend of Zelda, which is also, like, another remix, which has appeared in previous ones. Uh, Life Will Change from Persona 5. And a song called He's a Pirate, which will either be from Pirates of the Caribbean or from Lazy Town. Now, Pirates of the Caribbean, that'll be the whole, like... When I think of that song, I think of Johnny Depp and Depp's a cunt because of the old abuse thing. Yes, Depp is an abuser. He was legally convicted of that in the UK. I'm not debating that with anyone. But as for the Lazy Town, um, this is basically a song that was coined and sung by the actor for Robbie Rotten. I can't remember his name, but I believe he passed away. And it was basically a song called... Uh, do what you want, cause a pirate is free. You are a pirate. Yarrdiddly dee. Being a pirate is alright if he. Do what you want, cause a pirate is free. You are a pirate. And something like that. It's a silly song, basically. And considering it's under variety for the tracklist, I think it will possibly be that song or something like that. Or a Japanese version of it. And that's cool because Taiko games always have at least one or two really silly songs in the variety section. If it's not Toho, it's a really silly song. Like, there was like a song from The Purr, which I think was in the previous one. I think it was either the Vita one or the Switch. 
but I've forgotten. They have these silly songs that actually like laughed at like oh the alphabet song as well. That's funny as well. Like that's literally the whole A B C D F G thing, which is like you hear that as a kid in the school in like the UK, the USA, and it's like you're singing that in a bloody Tyco game. It's like bang, 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 A B C D E F G. Fucking hell. But yeah, that's why Tyco is incredible and you should play Tyco. If you haven't got this game, start with this game. And in Japan, it's getting physical. And hopefully I'll come to the West, but I'm doubtful. But, you know, import curio. Anyway, moving on from Lazy Town, uh, we have Taisha Xalis Heads and Tails. This was confirmed to coming to Steam in like either July or August. So that's uh, that's a thing by Primula. It's a fan disc for Taisha Xalis. And this follows on from the Switch release in April. And that looks cool. Nice to see it confirmed. A lot of Otome confirmations in this up, in this light update, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, Dragon Quest X Offline was dated for the 15th of September in Japan for the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, and Steam. This is the, like, the offline version of Dragon Quest X, the only version that has a chance of coming to the West, the version that is developed by BB Studio, who wants to do Super Robot Wars, and, of course, the, like... The one and only Dragon Quest game that's never been officially localised out of the mainline series, which is going to be uh, interesting to see if that gets picked up. There's still been nothing about it for a Western release. I think they might be waiting to see if the expansion DLC comes out soon, because that's been delayed to spring 2023. So, like, that's, like, the first full expansion, so I think they might be waiting for that to release before announcing it, but that's just speculation. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm probably not playing it in Japanese if it doesn't come out in English, to be honest, because I think that would be preferable and easier than playing the online version. And uh, now on to an interesting one, because this is an interesting piece I want to talk about, not because of the game it concerns, but about the implications of it, and the fact that this one game existing on this platform means there's potential for more that I actually want. And it also relates to a little when I mentioned Parfait earlier, because it's about Aquaplus. And basically, on SteamDB, listing details were found for Dungeon Travelers 2. The listing was not complete, and this led people to speculate that it's been banned by Steam, which I'm not going to go into that because honestly, it was just it's just leans into all censorship stuff and a lot of that is just used for fascism. And spreading that and I not, will not be entertaining that and whether it's true or not it doesn't matter because well it's irrelevant to what I want to say but also it's not been officially announced by any publisher so no one can make an official comment because it's not been officially announced so there's no definitive answer so instead of people moaning about banning and censorship when you can't prove either way yet because it's not been officially announced so you can't go to a publisher so they can't actually tell you because the publisher like you there's no details on who the publisher is it's most likely Sharivunevo because they've handled the other Aqua Plus PC games and the interesting thing is alongside the likes of the mainline Utah Romano series and Monochrome Mobius the fact that they've like a port for Dungeon Travelers 2 exists means there is interest from Aqua Plus because they'd have to have approved this to bring their older games to PC and likely to other platforms too, which is what really interests me. Like, there's the potential here to actually like first off port Tears to TR2, which um is well Tears to TR2. It's a PS3 SRPG VN hybrid. The only other one that's been localized to date, aside from the if you don't include the fan translation of the first one, which is a porn version, so don't touch that. Um, but also the other games, which um, the PS3 remakes of uh, First Tears to Tiara, and also the fan disc, which uh, was actually, no, not a remake, that was originally made for it. So that's the thing. But also, when you put that aside, there's also things like Two Heart 2, White Haven 2, the dating sims they've made, and the PC titles, like those games that have never been localised before. The fact that there's interest in bringing Dino Trails 2 suggests that the chance for those finally coming west and put on Steam will be great. Chances are higher, and I do want to play those older games from Aqua Plus. So the fact that that exists is a really good sign for that, and I'm hoping that that actually, like, even if, like, regardless of what happens with old Dun and Traveler's mess, um, I say mess, but, like, the fact that it exists, and the fact that if there have been issues with getting it ported over, because, I mean, 
even putting aside Steam approvals, you're porting a PS Vita game, but itself was a PSP port back to PC. It's not going to be the easiest thing to do. And then this is before, like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because if that comes out, when if that's officially announced, it will give an idea to what might happen in the future for Aqua Plus titles coming to mod the West and on, like, Steam and stuff. I mean, I'm still hoping Aqua Plus finally decides to get their heads out of their ass and start supporting the Switch properly, because the Switch has been out since 2017, and they've not put a single, like, title on it, aside from Dogapon Up, which is out in Japan, by the way. It's been out since 2020, and that's actually been fan-translated now, so you can actually play Dogapon Up in Japanese, which is cool. I do want to try it, even though I don't care for Dogapon, and, but it'd be nice to have some ports of these games, so, Tsukiyaru 2, Utah Railroad Trilogy, which um, is well, the main thing they like to port, which have been milking to almost death, because it's, well, the big series that people must love from Aqua Plus, even though it is pretty fucking good, in fairness. And, yeah, I could go on about this, because I like talking about this company. So, other ones, a couple of, uh, one more port announcement. Uh, Utah Pre All-Star After Secret. Uh, Utapri After Star All Star Secret is coming to Switch on the 22nd December in Japan. It's another fan disc, um, originally a PSP game that came out in 2015. So, yes, a very late PSP release. And this one focuses on the four senior idols alongside the seven idols from the original game. And this is one to possibly import in the future. So, because I don't expect it to get localised. If if you first, like, repeat love doesn't get localised, this one has no chance in hell of getting localised. Alright, and finally on to the last portion. Um, because I've been going on for a really long time, I'm not going to be kept going on at length about this game too much, because, partly because, one, length of this episode, and two, because I want to make it a full-blown video with a spoiler ramble on my main channel, Miller's Game Room, by the way. Subscribe. This one is Utah Ramano Pluto the Fallen, because yes, I did actually play through Pluto the Fallen, now I've moved into my new home. I have been able to sit down, get a PS4 out, and properly sit down and play through this game. It's, of course, a very novel SRPG hybrid. It's, like, really cool. It's like, you basically, like, bear in mind this is originally a remake of the original PS2 game. So that's like, well, not the original PS2 game, because it was given a PS2 version, but it was originally a PC game. It was, well game because it's Aqua Plus and um, this release is the original game that started it all. Uh, you, The man you play is a guy called uh, Hakuwaolao. He's rescued, he has no memories, by someone called Eriru. So this person, Eriru, actually gave him the name Hakuwaolao. I was before, he didn't have a name. If amnesiac with no name, so if you're amnesiac you're not going to remember your own name. Um, and then you basically start by paying debt to the village and then after that it just turns into like a story that then leads to like rebellion against the the empire of Kami, Kamikakashi Europe or something like that it's a uh, based in the case Utah games can have some really weird names but it's difficult to pronounce if you don't have them in front of you I mean like Kaneshika Europe yeah, that's it Kaneshika Europe that's the name and then that's the the name of that which is going to be Needs to rebellion, and he ends up becoming emperor, and ends of this new empire, and then it all goes on from there, meeting more characters, doing more events, some size of life, with battles, SRPG segments to break them up, which look great and fantastic on the PS4, and more story. Uh, I really enjoyed it overall. It's really fun. Um, it's really nice to have this like this game brought up to date to new generation. Have like uh, the art being updated and just remastered, so it looks a bit better. Uh, the music, you can either have revamped versions of the original tracks from the older game, or you can have uh, the Super Range, which is basically having music from all three games, so not just Prelude to the Fallen, but also Mask of Deception, Mask of Truth, which came out on like the later consoles, which I played those games years ago, so I've already heard the music, but it's so nice hearing that music again, because I did like switch between them, especially for like having the the super range for the battles because the original Utaramano uh, didn't really have the biggest variety of music so it's basically hearing the same two battle songs throughout the whole game which uh, isn't that great to be honest but it exists and uh, yeah I did finish it the 
it made me cry as expected it was really moving and a lot of drama and intrigue and development of the world and it's weird like playing it after playing deception and truth you can kind of see the overlaps and differences as well that was really cool and yeah um the action as i mentioned the action battle sequences look and play a lot better on the ps4 plus the physical copy in the west is exclusive to the playstation 4 so if you want to get this game i'd say get it on playstation 4 or on a steam sale because the games do go on sale a lot on steam so uh the steam publisher sharivine they will discount it at the time of recording it's in the steam summer sale which you can get the games like 35 36 quid discounted in total basically so if you want the games this is your chance to get them so get them if you can and check them out they're worth it I'm going to do a full video on them on my channel and I'm going to spoil in that video so that's why I'm keeping this brief as well so uh yeah um this has been a fun thing to record and hopefully now I can you know get this edited put together and get back on a consistent schedule now I'm hoping to have videos like more videos out like reviews to talk about things my spoilery rambles tm as well as other things regarding well just games in general and maybe some more unboxings and stuff and maybe just other things too because i have miller's game room and it's going to be really cool thank you so much for listening to today's episode um hope you enjoyed it um please leave like likes comments subscribes five star ratings etc on your algorithm of choice and share it around Thank you so much for listening again and uh, have a lovely day. Bye-bye.